There we go. All right. Well, good morning. It's good to see you here. Welcome to Providence. So if those of you who are not who have not been with us on a or have been not been here for a little while, we are going through the book of James. Um, the book of James is super practical. It's full of life-giving, life-giving things, but it's also full of uh, like a punch in the gut. I heard one, one guy describe it that way. He, he gives us these, these, um, these truths that are just like packed, in the, packed t- together really tightly that affect and have a big impact on how we live today, how I live out my, my faith um, today. So, Today we're in James chapter 2, we're the end of James 2, in verse 14 is where we're picking up. And you see, that's not, I don't know if you can call it a title, because it's too long to be a title. Um, but this is, this is kind of my, what I built, or what I want to share with you, what I built it around, is our actions tell the truth about what we believe. So, you can say one thing... But if your actions say something else, what is it that you actually believe? Do the words that you said, are the, is that the, the truth, or is it your actions? And that's something that James is addressing here in chapter 2. Actually, he does that in all throughout, um, through the book of James, but specifically addressing our faith and works. Now, I don't know... I. When we hear the word works, there's probably a little bit of a reaction inside of us if we're aware of it, because we've seen it, we've seen the, the wrong side or the misuse of it. If that bugs you, I'll probably use the word works, but if that bugs you, use, think of actions instead of works, because the, your works are your actions. That's what James is referring to. Now, remember that James is writ- written to Jewish believers. This is very likely the very first epistle that is written. Um, so the church is new. These believers are new. And I wonder if these Jewish believers obviously have lived through the Old Testament. They have lived, they need to practice all their, the sacrifices and the, the works of the law, they have to obey the law perfectly, all that stuff that's been going on that they've been taught that you have to do as a Jew, as a, a follower of the one true God. And now they found this freedom, and suddenly they're living with this idea that, well, whatever I do, that doesn't matter as long as I have faith. And so James addresses a very real question for them, but it's also a real question for us. Can faith alone save you? Does your faith need to be accompanied by works? Does your faith need to be accompanied by actions? So, think about that. Now let me read James 2, verses 14, down through, through the end of the chapter, 20, verse 26. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith, but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things that are needed for the body, what good is that? So also also faith by itself, 
if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one. You do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith without works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith is active along with his works, and faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. And so he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. And in the same way was not also Rahab the prostitute justified and sent the, when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way. For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. I think I should just stop right there and just sit down and you take that home and chew on it. I mean, he just, he gives this incredible argument, this incredible presentation that faith and works cannot be separated. We have this tendency to try to separate the two and say, okay, so how much faith is needed? How much works is needed? And where's the balance between those? And he says, it's not about the balance. He says the two cannot be separated. Now, there's all kinds of analogies you can try to, try to come up with. Um, and the analogies always fall short at some point. But let me just, I have a quarter here. You probably can't see it, but I have a quarter here. A quarter has a heads and a tails, right? Does it matter which side it falls on on what the value of the quarter is? It makes no difference whatsoever. And you cannot separate the head of the coin from the tail of the coin because it's one. So James's argument is simply this, that you cannot separate the two. Now we'll talk a little bit because that can, that can sound like a contradiction to some other scriptures, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. But you cannot separate, just like you can't, I can't flip this coin and separate the head and the tail, you cannot separate your faith from your works. So here, catch. I didn't even get a reaction down here. I figured someone would dive for the quarter. Anyway, so James's argument, faith and works cannot be separated. Let's just go through and unpack a little bit. And I, I got almost, I'm not sure if you can call it two kinds of faith. There we go. Someone was brave. If we can call it two kinds of faith, um, but there's... What I want us to think about when we, when we think about the faith that James is talking about is there is a dead faith and there's also a living faith. And they produce, the, produce um, the, only the one actually produces something, I guess. So let's talk about what I would call dead faith first. Chapter 14, or verse 14 of chapter 2, what we read, he says, What good is it, brothers, if someone says he has faith? All right? So there's this verbal assent. There's this verbiage given that the words that come from your mouth say that you believe in God. I say I believe. I say that I have faith. But it doesn't have works. 
And then, then he asks a question, and it's a really good question and a very valid question. He says, can that faith save him? That faith is the faith that says they have faith, but their actions do something different. So the actions are telling the truth. And he asks, so can that faith save him? So ask yourself the question, can that faith save him? Someone who gives that verbal assent and says what he believe, that he believes that God is. And he, but he even says this, he says, what good is that? Of what benefit is that kind of faith to say that you believe something, but your actions say something completely different? And then he gives this amazing example. He, he gives this example or an illustration because I don't think um, he's saying this is the only thing. But in v- verses 15 to 16, he says, If a brother is poorly clothed and lacking in daily flu- food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warmed and filled, but you don't give them anything. So, a couple things here. The one thing that I, I note is that he says, A brother or sister, he's talking specifically to the church family. And the, the clothes, they don't have adequate, adequate clothes. They don't have the food that they need for today. So that's a very specific thing. And I think he's giving us that not as, okay, those are the only food and clothes if, if those are the only needs that need to be met. But he's saying if, if you see someone, for sure a brother or sister, someone in our church family, let's just narrow it down to us, if you see a need and you do nothing, what good is that? So faith that sees a need but does nothing. And matter of fact, he says, notice what he, he says to them. So someone is, they're freezing cold, that you see that they've got a need, they need something on their table to eat, and you say to them, go in peace. That's, that's like a farewell address. That's saying... See you later. I see you got a need, but see you. Good luck. I hope you get what you need. If you have the means to fill the need and you don't, he says that kind of faith is dead. It doesn't do anyone any good. It is of no value. Verse 17, so also, now listen to how it says, so also faith by itself is dead. So, a dead faith, can that faith save him? A faith that does not have the works to go with it. Came across this. You're pretending to have faith while you have no works of charity or mercy is utterly vain. For as faith, which is principle in the mind, cannot be discerned but by the effects, that is, the good works. He who has no good works has presumptively no faith. Faith by itself is dead. Now notice what he he continues talking, and we'll come back to some of these verses a little bit later again. But notice he, he keeps talking about that kind of faith. And remember, when I'm saying that kind of faith, it is the faith that says they have faith, but there are no works, there's no actions that would 
verify that faith. It says in verse 18, you have faith, I have works, and we know that, know that verse. But then he jumps down. Jump down to verse 19. So you've, in verse 14, you have this verbal ascent, this speaking that you, you say you believe. And then verse 19 says, you may even believe that God is one. Now, think of the Jewish reader, the first reader who would have come across as who read that and said, you believe that God is one. What is James referring to? He's referring to the Shema that they would repeat. I'm not sure it's every day, but for sure they would repeat this over and over and over again that the Lord our God is one, there is only one, whatever. And it was something that was so special to them and, it was, and it's so true. But he says, if you believe that, you do well. That's great. But he said, even the, even the demons believe that. So you can, you can say you have faith. You can even have this intellectual knowledge and believe that God is one, that there is a creator, there's, there is a, a being who holds the universe. But if that's all, then you're still missing something. He says, even the demons believe it. He says, they shudder. It's like it means the hair like on your neck standing on end. Something is just like, it grabs you. Verse 20. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? So he says it's dead. Then he says faith by itself is dead. And then he says, it's useless. So James keeps insisting over and over and over that faith without works is of no value. It is utterly worthless. Now, if you would, and it, maybe, it, maybe we see it changing some, but I think this is a very real thing for our world today because if you would, if you would go out tomorrow and you would ask 10 people, do you believe in God? How many do you think would say that they believe that there is a God? Probably a pretty good percentage of them, I would guess. There's this, this, that verbal, that wordage saying, I believe, and maybe you even do truly believe that there is a God, but has that, what has that done in your life? How has that affected how you then live. It must be, James says, accompanied by works. So raise the question, does that contradict some other scriptures? Look at what Paul says. Oh, oh, let me... Oh, now I have to go all the way through. Sometimes you've got to be smarter than your slides, right? Let me, let me read this one because this was so good as well. And it, and it drives home the point. He said, He doth not say faith is dead without works, lest it should be thought that works were the cause of the life of faith. But faith without works is dead, implying that works are the effects and the signs of a life of faith. And that is what James is driving that. And what seems like a contradiction. So let's get, what, let's get to the what could seem like a contradiction. 
Paul said this, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Does that contradict what Paul is saying? I mean, it, it sure can sound that way. So what is James saying? What is Paul saying? Is Paul saying that works absolutely do not matter? Well, followed up with verse 10. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. The exact same word is used here that James is using. Um, and there's many other scriptures. Jesus even talked about the fact that our lives need to have works. He said in the Sermon on the Mount, let your light so shine before men that they what? They may see your good works and glorify God. What James is not saying is that your faith or your works save you. And that is something that is very real. And that perhaps I asked the question, or we were talking back here this morning, and the question came up. Why do we work so hard or try so hard to separate faith and works? Because we do. I mean, I do. We've, and I wonder, we've, many of us, let me just say it, many of us have grown up in a world and a culture that works were talked about and taught, and that is what mattered. It was, the works were what was focused on. The works, we focused on the works, and that was just driven home over and over and over again. But the faith, the relationship with Jesus was something that was just kind of not really talked about. So, and we talk about the balance. There, there can, it's not about a balance. It's about the two cannot be separated. You cannot separate the two as much as we would like to, as much as we would try. But James is not saying that we are saved by works, but rather he is saying that our faith verifies our work. So, a faith that is, our works verify our faith, I call that a living faith. So you have a dead faith and you have a living faith. So when we went to, we traveled to Nicaragua, when we got to, through the airport, the security, all that stuff, we had to have a passport. Why did we need a passport? Didn't we have to verify our identity? We had to verify so they could verify who we are. That is the idea, something like that, that our works, our works verify that what we say we believe and what we believe in our head, our works actually verify that that is true in our lives. So our faith, a faith that saves, or a living faith, is verified by works. So what are the works? Do you ever wonder what that is? Who measures, who measures the works? Who defines what the works are? I don't know what all of it is, but I believe that at least a part of what he's talking about when he's talking about the works. Well, so point, look back in verses 15 and 16, the needs that you see in someone's life. Um, but I wonder if he's not pointing us back to the greatest command, the two greatest commands Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, and the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. You live that? 
If you live that, if I truly live loving my neighbor as myself, if I, that's how we, we actually live out our faith, that verifies how I live or verifies my faith. Here's another thing that we were talking about earlier. Notice where it comes in the passage. Last week we talked about the sin of partiality. Chapter 3 talks about taming of our tongues. Like all these different things are ways that we actually live out our faith. So a living faith moves us into action. And the actions, our actions, tell the truth about what we actually believe. We cannot separate the two. So then he finishes it off by giving us, if you think you can separate them, you're wrong, he says you're wrong, But then he gives us two examples of people whose lives actually made an impact or whose lives actually followed through and showed their faith, which is the last point I want to make to you this morning is that living faith produces action. Living faith takes us beyond saying what we believe to actually into action. Then he gives us two examples in verse 21 on down through, he gives us the example of Abraham. Abraham, who was the father of the Jews, and he picks out this one piece of Abraham's life. There was, Abraham's life is filled with faith, and he almost quotes it directly from Hebrews chapter 11, where it talks about Abraham, the way he states um, Abraham's life here and his act of faith in following through with God's command. So God had commanded or had promised Abraham that his descendants would come through Isaac. And then he tells him to go offer up Isaac on the altar and to sacrifice his son. So what does Hebrews 11 tell us about that? He says, he did so believing that God would raise his son from the dead. His actions proved his faith. His actions verified that his faith was actually real. This was a great quote by Pastor Marcus that I skipped over, but think about this. I'm I'm backtracking just a little bit. Other religions teach that we're saved by our works verified by faith. Only Christianity teaches that we are saved by faith and verified by our works. So the second example that, that James gives us is Rahab. Now think of the, the two opposite, the opposite. You've got Abraham, the father of the Jewish people. Then you have Rahab, who was a prostitute Gentile. But both of them, it says they were justified and their, their faith moved in them into action. It actually says in verse 22, faith was active along with his works, and faith was completed by his works. They're talking about Abraham. And then he says, in the same way it was for Rahab when she received the messengers and then sent them out another way and whatever. We know the story of how Rahab protected the spies. Now, think, think of that story just a little bit. There were other people in the city of Jericho who had heard 
and knew the exact same thing that Abraham did about the God of Israel. They believed that the God of Israel was powerful because they, it says that they all saw um, that God had, they heard that God had parted the Red Sea. They, they saw how the, the, Jericho, or the, the Jordan River was parted for the people to cross over on dry ground. They all saw that. They heard the same thing. They believed that their God was powerful. But only Rahab had a faith that moved her into action. And that action is what verified her faith and it saved her life. So the two cannot be separated. Our actions tell the truth about what we really believe. And then in verse 26, he ends it. So the, part, the body apart from the spirit, the spirit is another word for, for breath. The body without the breath is dead. So faith apart from works is dead. Proclaim your faith all you want, but it is only when it is accompanied by action that it is a true and living faith. Think of an apple tree. Where is the life of the tree? Where is the life of the tree found? Is it not in the roots under the, and under the bark of the trunk and its branches? The life is not in the apples. But if the tree is alive, it will produce apples in season. That is our faith in action. Let me give you one, one more example or illustration here in closing. An old boatman painted the word faith on one oar of his boat and the works on the other. He was asked the reason for this. In answer, he slipped the oar with faith into the water and rowed. The boat, of course, made a very tight circle. Returning to the dock, the boatman said, now let's try works without, and with, without faith and see what happens. Our oar marked, the oar marked works was put in place and the boatman began rowing with just the works oar. Again, the boat went into a tight circle, but in the opposite direction. When the boatman returned to the wharf, he interpreted his experiment with the strong and convincing words. You see, to make a passage across the lake, one needs both oars working simultaneously in order to keep the boat going in the straight and narrow way. If one does not have the use of both oars, he makes no progress either across the lake nor as a Christian. I think that's a, it's a good word picture for us to get in this idea that you can't separate. And we have a, we, we're human, so we always have this tendency. We love falling into ditches, right? We go one way or the other. And our experience in the past shapes how we think and how we, maybe how we approach this. But biblically, what James is saying is faith is what saves you and the works verify that your faith is real. So you cannot separate the two. So how do we resist the urge to row only with our works or only with our faith? Because we have these tendencies. We want to row with one or the other. How do we keep both working simultaneously because they're inseparable, I believe? Let me close with this quote from Pete Scazzaro. 
We need to be with God before doing for God so that our doing for God overflows from our being with God. When we try to do the works, we try to row with the works one, we go in circles. When we just try the being with God, nothing else, we just go in circles. But when those two are in sync, when those two are being with God and doing for God, when those are in sync, our lives will have an impact. And so think, just think of this. What I want to leave you with is what, what do your actions or your lack, lack of actions say you believe? Because our actions tell what we really believe is true. All right, thank you for your time. Wrestle with the Scripture. Don't take my word for it. Wrestle with the Scripture. And let's live it out. Why don't you all stand? We'll have a word of prayer. Worship team, you can come on up. Let's pray. God, we thank you this morning. Thanks for your word. Um, God, we just need your, we need your word to speak. I pray that... Um, Man, just make your word real to us. Make it alive in us. And as we leave today, God, and we, how we live the rest of today, how we live tomorrow, how we live the next day and the coming weeks, God, that we would actually live out what we say we believe. And help us to take inventory of our, our lives. What do I, my actions say? What, what do my lack of actions say? When I see a need and I do nothing, what's that telling me? about what do I need to change in my own life. And in all of that, may our, it turn our hearts to Jesus, who didn't just say, I love you, but he came and actually showed it by giving his life for us. And for that, we say thank you. In your name we pray. Amen.